Mo. Good. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, worship team, and all that. Now, I don't. I, I always hate it when preachers do what I'm getting ready to do. But I just, I, I have a real bad inferiority complex, and I like people close to me. So I want you to get up and move closer. Will you move closer so I can look you in the eye? I like to, I like to look in, that's heavy. I like to look in the eye of my target, you know, before I pull the trigger. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Well, it's good to be back. Everybody's asking about Teresa, and uh, Teresa sends her love. She said, give everybody my love. Teresa's our, um, she pulls all of our taxes together before we go to our accountant for our taxes. You know, they said two things are sure, taxes and death, but you don't have to pay your taxes. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to pay them, you know. Now, you want to jail, but you don't have to pay them, you know. But uh, so she's she's doing that. We we we've, we've traveled a little bit more than we have been doing in the last uh, couple of months, and so she's gotten behind. And so she asked permission, asked for my blessing to stay, and I was happy for her to do our taxes. Praise God! Thrilled about that. Well, good to be here. I, I hope you're doing well. I appreciate that word about hope, 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 and believing, believing. Uh, I think there's a real need. For a fresh move of faith in the church. Faith. Believe in God. Uh, not just whatever will be, will be. I don't believe whatever will be, will be. I believe whatever we believe will be. I, I remember when, when I, I was thinking about this during worship, I, I remember when I first came to the Lord, I, I came to the Lord as a young Baptist boy, but, but later, you know, I walked away. According to whether, if you're Methodist, I got lost again. If you're if you're a Baptist, I just came back into fellowship with the Lord, whatever you are. But anyway, I came back and renewed my fellowship with Jesus. Uh, and I remember the thing I struggled with was what a lot of people say is a cop out. But I, I really, I said, I'm. I, I don't know if a lot of people are living this. And if I'm going to surrender my life to you, I'm going to give myself to you wholeheartedly. I'm going to go after you with all that I have in me. And I remember saying this to the Lord, if nobody on the, on the planet lives it by your grace, I'm going to live it. Now that may sound like pride, you know, but I'm just saying that was, that was a, a commitment I had to make in my heart. <clears throat> if, if, if miracles don't happen anywhere, if I need one, I'm going to believe for one. Aren't you? You know, well, the, the days of miracles are over. And I just want to say, God, that's him saying that. That's not me. Don't get confused with that. I'm over here. I'm, I'm the one believing over here for the miracle. And I don't mean arrogance in that. But there's just a thing about the just shall live by faith. Uh, and I've been really drawn into God lately in, 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 a, in a fresh new way. And years ago, I heard, I heard Kenneth Copeland say about the scripture, about the word. He said, just act like it's so. Just act like it's Well, it is so. You know, just act like it, believe it, take it, receive it that way. And uh, I went with an evangelist one time. Back, back in the day, they called him, he was a healing evangelist. What that meant, he had a, a gift of healing. He really had a, according to First Corinthians, he had a gift of healing. And we'd go into places and, and he'd pray and we'd see miracles. And it was, a, it was exciting, you know, to be there and see that. And I remember we went in to see this woman in, in the hospital one time. She was back in the 
bed up there, and she, she was real famous in religious circles around town, you know. And went in there, and he said, you believe God's going to heal you today? And she said, oh, brother. That can be faith. It, cannot, it may not be faith. Oh, brother, she said, I believe God can do anything. So he prayed a little prayer, and we walked out. And he said, God's probably not going to do anything for her. <laughs> I, was, I was embarrassed. Why would you say that? He said, because she didn't answer my question. I said, do you believe God's going to heal you today? And she said, I believe God can do anything. He said, that was unbelief. She didn't want to deal with the issue of me personally, specifically today in this moment. He was trying to say, will you touch the hem of his garment with me today? And, and she said, well, I believe he could do it. But I want to get to the place where we believe he's doing it. And I think that's what I was hearing when you were talking there. Amen. Well, you know, one of the things that's really on my heart, and I've been praying this week about what to share with you, and I, I, I talked a little bit in, in our CAM meeting two or three weeks ago, and some of you were there on a Friday night about winds of change. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about effective ministry in a changing world. This world is changing. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's changing. And, and I think the challenge of the church is how do we engage it and make a difference as it changes? Now, I said a very important word, and that word was engage. Engage it. You can't change it till you engage it. Now, we were just talking about, I got a, I got a tire out there with a, with a piece of metal in it, and I got up this morning, it's going flat. Well, you can't change that tire till you engage it. You got to touch it. You got to come in contact with it. You got to take a tool and pull that piece of metal out of it. You have to patch it. We just can't back here and say, oh, I, I believe it's going to happen, you know. I believe it's going to, I believe we have to engage it. And, and, and in society, and I could get mad about having a flat tire. You know, I could get mad about it and say, I'm, not even, I'm just going to, I'm going to go trade my car. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to, got a flat tire, I don't like it. But, but I have to, I have to, I might as well get over that because that's not doing any good at all. And I think that's one of the things we have to do is, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm talking to us and to the church everywhere who has an ear to hear that the world isn't changing. It has already changed. It's continuing to change. And I, I sense a frustration in the church who wants it like it used to be. I don't really want to be where God was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I, remember, I, remember, I can remember being in church with a move of God going on and singing a song, and we sang this. Scratch your brother's back, scratch your back next to you. Scratch your brother's back and sing along. Scratch your brother's back. We sing out in church. Hallelujah. I remember one night we played kazoos. It was a move of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't silly, but it sounds silly now. Well, Lord, I was, I, that's embarrassing to even talk about it. But we did it in church in the name of Jesus. But I don't want to go back. I want to get rid of my kazoo. I want to forget I ever had a kazoo. I don't want to be where God used to be. There's nothing wrong. It's encouraging to talk about what God did. It's encouraging to look back and say, man, I tell you, I was, I was lost and now I'm saved. And, and there's whole groups of people that are still sinners saved by grace. 
I thank God I'm not there. I was a sinner and I was saved by grace, but today I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am now. It doesn't matter who I was. I don't really care where you were and who you were. It matters where you are. It matters where you're going. So we're talking about the world out there. The world's already moved on. The church really hadn't. The church is still sitting there frustrated, wanting to, wanting to be back there and trying to get the world to go back there. That ship has sailed. And the church is sitting at the dock, wanting to know where the people are. They're at sea. And they're having fun. <laughs> and the church is over here mad because they left them. And you know what the church has really said in a lot of places to the world that's out there that started to change? Just go to hell then. Because we haven't fun at the church house. Just go and go to hell. For God so loved the world that he came to live among them. We have a tendency to want to run from them. Turn to Acts chapter 17, effective ministry in a changing world. Acts 17, I'm, I'm going to be talking about engaging culture. And this morning as I was in my room, I, I just did a little research on culture because we keep talking about it. I'm not talking about buttermilk here, culture. I'm talking about changing culture, society. Listen to what culture, the definition of culture. Are you listening? You're going to have to think today, okay? Think, think, think. I always like to feel, but we're going to have to think and feel today. Culture is that which includes knowledge, belief, art, morals, law, custom, and habit acquired by man. I'm going to read it again. That which includes knowledge, belief, art, morals, law, custom, and habit acquired by man. Custom is acquired by man. Custom is not innate. You weren't born with culture. Now, you're born into culture, and you adapted to your culture. You know, My mother used to say to me every night, I grew up in the South. Good old Southern people, we ate Southern food. We you know, did Southern things. Every Sunday afternoon, we met at Grandma's house. We all had food. And Anybody old enough to remember that? We all ate together. All the cousins played in the yard, and we get through it. Now, I live way, my mother and Grandma live way out in the country. They put a sheet over the table after we ate. And we go out and play in the yard and come back in the afternoon and we eat it again. So why are we not all dead? <laughs> Tomaine poisoning and all that. But we did it and we were tough. We just we lived through it. You know what I'm saying? And my mother would put me to bed every night. People, you think people are hearing what you're saying. And they are hearing it, but they may not be getting it. And my mother said to me, for about three or four years, sweet dreams. And she'd pray, you know, now lay me down to sleep, give all my soul to keep. That always, always scared me. But I would, I would, I would pray it. I mean, because yeah, I should die before I wake up. Oh, my Lord. I thought it was supposed to be a good moment here. i got to go to bed thinking about dying before I wake up. But anyway, we'd, she, we'd pray that prayer. And then she'd leave the room and she'd say, sweet dreams. Now, here's what I thought until I was about four or five years old. I thought she was saying sweet greens. <laughs> like turnips. <laughs> Collards, you know. Sweet greens. Well, Amen. That's what I thought. <laughs> one, day, one day I heard the D, sweet dreams. Oh, that makes more sense. Because yeah, we never had greens the next day. I didn't get it. But I'm saying we, I, she thought she was getting it across to me, but I wasn't hearing that. 
That's the church. Sweet greens. Praise the Lord. Acts 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews and Paul went in as his custom was, underline that, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, underline that, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a, many, a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in uproar and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd. They were trying to find Paul and Silas, but they, were, they weren't there. But anyway, I want you to go back and look at this just for a moment. It was Paul's custom to go into the house of God. It was called Paul's custom to go into the, to the synagogue he said, as his custom was, it's important that we be in the house of God, isn't it? We come together, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. A lot of people have given up on that. But we can't do that. We need one another. And it said he reasoned with them. Okay, so here he is in his world, and he's trying to, to get them to understand. He's going into their culture and trying to get them to understand who he is. And he reasoned with them, but listen very carefully. He didn't reason from here. He reasoned with them from the scripture. It's so powerful. Now, now, one of the things the church is going to learn how to do, we're going to talk about this some, is the church is going to have to learn how to change our methods and our conversation, but we can't change the message. We're going to have to figure out a different way to bring a different conduit without changing the product. A different way, you know, sales is about that. People get, people get bored with the same old thing, and so they, they're doing all kinds of different things to get you to, to, to buy their product without changing the product. The product doesn't change. So Jesus doesn't change. The salvation message doesn't change. But the way we get it to people changes. And that's what we have to learn how to do. And Paul did that. He, he made sure he still brought the Scripture. Paul was actually a master at this. He was a master. He wasn't, he wasn't offended by culture when he went to Mars Hill. He walked through there, and all these... Uh, statues to the unknown God, you know, and all that. Now, Paul, inside of himself, was probably very angry at the, 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 the idolatry of that. But he went to the people and he said, I perceive that you're very religious, you're very hungry, you're spiritually hungry people. I, I sense that about you. They said, well, sure, we are. And he said, now, I see that you built one statue to the unknown God. So he's coming in through the door of their culture. He didn't say, you bunch of idolaters, y'all going to hell, and I get on your faces. He came in through their door, their culture, and he said, this, this unknown God, I want to tell you his name. I know who he is. I have discovered him, and I know his name. His name is Jesus. You see the culture change? Now, he could have just gotten mad, but he didn't. He, he was wise, and he came in through that door, and that's what I want to talk about today. That's the thing I'm trying to see. And some of them were persuaded, not all of them, not everybody was persuaded on the day of Pentecost. We love to talk about Pentecost, but there were two major reactions at the, on the day of Pentecost. Awe, wow, and confusion. The move of God will bring confusion sometimes. <laughs> but, but 
those, so don't get discouraged at those that don't, because it, it may not even be that it's a total rejection. It may mean they, they've rejected it for the moment. They could be pondering. Being a preacher, I watch people, as I'm doing right now. And, 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 and because I'm a preacher, I try to see, am I getting there? Are they getting it? Are they, and, and you can't always tell that. Because sometimes people have a scowl on their face. So I don't look at them. I look at people that are smiling. But you never know because you can be wrong because the person smiling may be just off in their happy place. <laughs> they may not be hearing a word you're saying. But the person that's scowling may be in a deep thought process. The Holy Spirit may be working in their heart and life. So we, we, can't, we can't do it. So some are going to reject and some are going to, and that's exactly what happened here. And then some got mad and tried to get them. Now, we started off by saying we want to be successful at, at reaching our culture, okay? There's a different culture in here in this room than there is out there in that town. Matter of fact, there's a lot of different cultures out there. I, I can remember when, when um, I haven't been involved in missions work for, for a long time now directly, but I used to go to the mission field a lot. And when, when, when you get someone said they were called to a ministry or called to the mission field, Mexico, Africa, South America, wherever it might be, we would say to them, well, where do you want to go? Well, I want to go to Mexico. Okay, we're going to send you to Texas. There's a place in McAllen, Texas, where for a year they're going to, treat you, they're going to teach you two things. They're going to teach you Spanish, the language, and they're going to teach you the culture of the people where you're going. Just because you get the language doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be effective at reaching that people. Now, this is a missionary over here, so she knows what I'm talking about. They, there's, there's, there's a thing about learning the culture. And if you stop all over their culture, you have just, they can't hear you any longer. They're not going to hear you. 35 years ago, 40 years ago, I would go into the Indian country in Mexico, indigenous people, very, very shy, very... Um, timid people, and, and, and they're nervous. You're, you're a big, rich American, and you're coming in there. But there's a plus to that, that they say, well, you know, they came here, they've given up a lot of comforts and things to come here, so they do value that and appreciate that, but you got to be very, very careful. Uh, I, I remember one time I was in uh, preaching in a, in a village. I'm talking about a, the church had a, a light bulb hanging in it. That was, that was the church, thatch roof, you know. The light bulb was progress. The light bulb was really, was progress, and uh, and I remember I was going up to people because my dad always said to me, shake shake their hand firmly and look them in the eye. How are you doing? There? Good to see you today. That's what a man does. That's what my dad told me. Yeah. So I was going around there. Hey sister, how are you doing? Good to see you. God bless you. God bless you. I shake everybody's hand there. And and the, and the, the missionary that lived there got me aside. He said, Don't do that. I said, well, My daddy told me to. My daddy and my culture told me to do that. He said, down here, they don't look you in the eye because they, they have a thing in here called the evil eye, and you, they think you're putting a curse on them if you look them in the eye. And you don't ever squeeze a woman's hand because that's a pass. So I'm saying, how you doing there, man? God bless you. Good to see you. So I'm putting a curse on them and asking them, you know, for a date. I, so, you, so I could, you could just knock yourself out. Now, they looked at me, and they knew I was just stupid. You know, they just knew that I wasn't... Because so, the missionary said, you know, he didn't know much. And so, but you hear what I'm saying? Those things are real. 
To them it's real, and, you, and we've got to figure that out. And how to, where is the gate to get into this person's life? And the gate to get in their life ain't in here. Let me say it again. The gate to get in their life is not in here. And the church gets on its face and prays, Bring them in, Lord. Bring them in. And about once every five years, somebody walks in. Because they, they, they just wander in. It's not biblical. What That prayer is not even biblical. Psalms 2.8 said, Ask of me, and I'll give you the healing for your inheritance. It doesn't mean they're going to come in here in a bus. He's going to give them to you as you go. Everything about God is going out there in culture. You're engaging them. You're not afraid of them. You're not afraid of getting something on you. That's what the church has been afraid of. I haven't even got past my introduction here, and I've already talked a lot. So let's, let's move on here. We want to. So we teach people in missionaries, missionaries about cross-cultural ministry. Learn the culture. And then bring the culture, your, the gospel through that, through that culture. I remember when, <clears throat> when our church in Valdosta 30, 35 years ago, along in there, first became integrated. Cross, cross-cultural. We had, matter of fact, I went there one day and, and we had uh, African-Americans. We had uh, people from Thailand, uh, all over Asia, uh, all, all colors and races in our church. Mark, you, 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 you guys remember that? And, and I'd look, and, and, and there was one lady, and she'd come down to the altar. She was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she'd worship because she was from Thailand. Remember that? She'd move all of her hands, all these from Thailand, and she's worshiping Jesus, you know. And, and we became multicultural. Well, if you get multicultural, you've got to be cross-cultural. You just can't be a white American country club church with a lady from Thailand. You get to go eat her food. Hallelujah. And so, I hope that's making sense. We've got to, we, what I'm saying is we here at New Covenant Church in Tifton, Georgia, have got to become more cross-cultural. We used to say, the first thing we started saying in the South, we want to reach all people, and we want our church open. Back then it was, African-Americans, we want African-American people to be here and comfortable here. That's kind of racist, really. It's good at the heart of it, but immediately you're treating people differently. And we had to just say, no, we're just going to love all people, not treat anybody any differently, and just live with each other. But the other thing that happens is, we, uh, some of you remember, I've told the story a thousand times, one, my, my spiritual mother was Ruby Fletcher, and Ruby was our fir- first African-American member in Valosta. And we've been there singing all our Ruby White songs, you know. And all of a sudden, she'd lead out with a song, Jesus is sweet, I know. And we'd all like, huh? Or if I could, I remember one Sunday she sang, if I could hear my mama pray again. And it would just break the house up. I mean, I mean, the Spirit of God would just fall because I realized that we weren't a white church that was allowing black people to come. That's who we are now. 
We are bad. Does that make sense? We're not, a white church is not big enough to let black people come. What is that? Well, that's better than it was. I mean, I remember one time when, when uh, a church in another city, when black people came to that church, they went and built, built them a church. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, it's sinful. It's racist. It's sinful. It's saying we don't want you here, but we'll just build you one where you'll stay over there. What is that? Terrible. Now we are this. We are Filipino. We are African American. We are Native American. That's who we are. It's our identity. And the reason that culture out there is not in here because we have excluded it. With our racism in the same manner against culture. The way they've learned how to live. And, and as I say that, if there's something inside of you going, I don't like this, that's what I'm talking about. That is the very issue that we're dealing with. Because it is a hindrance to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want anybody going to hell because I reject them or gave off some kind of vibe or some kind of spirit. I don't want, them, I don't want that on me. I want whosoever will. I want to be a bridge. I want to be a Barnabas, a bridge builder to Jesus. And I know you do too. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our activities. We're going to have to, are you listening? We're going to have to change the things we're willing to sacrifice. What am I willing to sacrifice to win you? God almost has to knock us down sometimes to get us to reach somebody. When, when Paul was like, and Jesus, Jesus was so sensitive, he touched me. And his disciples, who were not sensitive, what are you, everybody's touching it all over you. You know why he was sensitive? Because he was looking for them. He had his feelers out. It wasn't all about him. It was about them. What if everybody in this room went out in the morning or after church and your whole purpose in life was I might be a doctor, a lawyer, school teacher, working at the factory, working in the field, but really what I am is a Jesus man without barriers without walls, trying to find people, and how can I help them? Nothing, nothing about you, nothing about you turns me off. Now, we could just open the altar now. Nothing about you turns me off. That's a big deal. I probably told you a story. I've been, I've been working on this guy for about two years, and every third word is a filthy word. He uses that F-bomb about every sentence. And I go, oh. And Teresa, Lord Jesus, Teresa never heard her mother and dad say, gosh, you're darn. That was sinful. Never saw a drop of alcohol in her house. Didn't know anything about it. So we woke up and here's this guy, blankety, 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 blankety. And Teresa's like, 
but he's, 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 he's working towards Jesus. He, he'll say SOB now. He, he's doing things. He's using initials. <laughs> Amen. That's progress. That ain't saved, but it's, it's in the right direction. He still wants to be around me. He went in the hospital. He went in the hospital. I'm totally off. I don't know why I always do this when I get here. I just leave my messages and everything. I hope you're all right. He went in the hospital. Thought he was having a heart attack. So he goes in the hospital. And so I just walked in, in the back. I just said, where is he? So they take me fine. They had to wander around. They find him in the back. He's laying in. You know, when you think you're having a heart attack, you think you're dying, it's, it's a wonderful time. <laughs> For preachers, it's just a wonderful time. If you love Jesus and you're not just preachers, but Christians, it's a wonderful time. Hallelujah. Talk about receptivity. Hallelujah. You know, heaven could be close. How you doing with it? Yeah. And uh, so I go in and I said, what are they going to do? Well, they've run some tests. They think I'm all right, but they want to keep me overnight for more tests and observation. I said, well, hey, I've been there. I've been there. And he and his wife, now, I just said, well, let me just pray for you. I just grabbed their hands. I didn't give them a chance to say anything. I just grabbed their hands. You know, And uh, he didn't say, oh, no, no, I, I just said, Lord Jesus, we thank you for being with them. I know they, they love you. <laughs> and I just pray, Lord, that you just bring a resolution to this thing and heal him and get him out of this hospital. Thank you, thank you, he said, thank you, thank you. You know, people don't, don't argue with you when you're in that kind of a situation. So about three hours later, he calls me. He said, I'm home. I said, you're home? He said, yeah. He said, they told me they were going to keep me overnight, do all these tests, observe me. Another doctor came in right after you left and said, nothing wrong with you, go on home. He said, you know what? I said, what? He said, the only thing that changed was this, you came and prayed for me. Now this is the blankety-blank guy. That's his culture. I said, well, God is good and God loves you. So we hang up. He writes me an email. He said, my faith is being restored. I never knew he had any. But my faith is being restored, and maybe that's why I met you. Now, that's a two-year process, but it's a big deal. To me, it's a big deal. But I had to put up with a lot of blankety-blank. I had to put up with a lot of stuff, listen to a lot of stuff. And I didn't get any worse for it. I didn't get anything on me. We've invited our house to eat, knowing that he's going to desecrate my house. What are you willing to sacrifice for the lost? Let me say it again. What are you willing to sacrifice for the lost? The easiest thing to do is, is write us a check and we'll send uh, somebody out to do it. That's not good enough. Don't, now, we want your check. Don't take me wrong. We want your check. We need your check to keep everything going. But we really, that's not what the ministry is. The ministry is about are you with me? Are you hearing me? We have got to quit thinking about what can we do as a group. 
I wish this church, I do too, and you're it. You're it. You're all we got. <laughs> look around. Just look around the room. It's okay. This is all we got. <laughs> That's a good thing. Jesus turned the world upside down with 12, and one of them was the devil. <laughs> all we got to do is get you to stop thinking about the group doing something. We're going to have a car wash next Saturday. Well, good. That's, that's a wonderful thing to do. But what we really need you to do is get out there and meet some sinners. Have lunch with them. Spend time with them. That's engaging culture. Ah, what are people going to think? I'm way beyond that. When I was religious, they didn't like me, so... Let me, let me move on here and tell you some things I think we need to do specifically, okay? Number one, that this is the challenge of the church. Number one, provide a place of diversified community. Provide a place of diversified community. I looked around the clock and said 138, and I said, Jesus. <laughs> provide a place of diversified community. I think we're going to have to ask the Lord, and I ask you today to ask the Lord to help you to embrace all culture. I mean, there's a lot of different cultures in Tifton. You got Indians, different culture. You got all kinds of culture here. And we have to learn how to do that. We have to somehow let people know that this is a safe community. I'm not talking about Tiffin. I'm talking about New Covenant. We're a safe community. You can come here and be safe. You can be you. You can be tattooed up. You can be pierced through and through. You can be bald. You can have dreadlocks. And you're really welcome. We're really, I don't mean tolerating. They know it when you tolerate them. I mean really, change me from the inside, Lord, that people sense no prejudice in me, no judgment. Judgments, prejudice is judgment. I'm judging. Racism is white against black, black against white, red against yellow. Racism is, is, is just things different. I don't like it. Jesus liked difference. He, he, you know, God's a God of diversity. Now, I'm not talking about embracing sin. You know? I, I would, but, but I am talking about loving the sinner. We've, we've about worn that out. But loving the sinner. Friday, I was uh, walking back to my, my condo where I live. Teresa and I, we were we saw it was getting ready to get cold, so we ran down to the beach. And we sat on the beach, and we said, let's go home. And we're going home. And I came out to the sidewalk, going to my condo, and I passed two girls, tattooed all up, pierced all over, 
and they're holding hands. And I felt, now I'll ask you a question. Was that that I felt Jesus? Sometimes we, righteous indignation. That wasn't what that was. I was mad as hell. That's different, isn't it? That's not righteous. But we call that righteous indignation, make it religious, and it, it gives us an excuse for not encountering. I know you're not liking this, but you got to hear it. We all have to hear it. The, the church has been left on the dock. The culture's gone. It's not going to come back to us. Even what must we do to be saved? That wasn't in the temple. I was in jail. That's right. <laughs> My Lord, That's what right. are you willing to do? How many remember, how many, how many have been in this church a long time? I remember one of the, the basic tenets of this church was a city of refuge, place of refuge. You know what a city of refuge is? That's where the criminals run to to get, keep them getting killed. Everyone else is going to kill them. Everybody else is going to persecute them. But this is the place they can run to. Can they run here is what I'm asking you. Can they run here? Can they run here? We're going to have to provide that kind of place. And it's not easy. What the church has done in the past is run them off when they get here. The church prays for God to bring them. And when they get here, we don't like the way they look, smell, act. And so we run them off without a word. Without a word. It's just something we give off called judgment. God, deliver me from judgment. I have it. God, deliver me from judgment. I'm preaching to me today. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm preaching to me. Lord, deliver me from judgment. Cleanse me of that. Number two, become genuine and clear to current society. Genuine. Not religious. Not vague. Hey, brother, you need to be saved. Well, that's good news. Not to mention he doesn't know what you're talking about. I have a friend in, in Oregon, walked in a convenience store, young lady about 30-ish, working around the counter. She said, what do you do? He said, I'm a pastor. She said, what is that? That's not Bangladesh. That's the U.S. of A. What is that? And he said, pa you know, a pastor. You've never heard pastor? No, I've never heard of that. What is it? I know it's not quite like that around here, but it's getting that way. That ship has sailed. Well, let's just sit here in our little churches and pretend it hasn't. Let's just do it like we've always done it and hope that, the, that it'll finally break on through and they're just going to come on in here. They're gone.
we think we're saying it, you know, sweet greens. Let me read you a, a, a newspaper. I'm going to get you to the buffet. Just chill, okay? <laughs> Let me read you a, a newspaper ad. This is, a real, this is really in the newspaper. The way you say it, where commas are, this was an ad. For sale, antique desk suitable for a lady with thick legs and large drawers. You think a comma might help here and there? For sale, antique desk suitable for a lady with thick legs and large drawers. I love that. Okay. Antique desk, comma, suitable for lady, comma, with thick legs and large drawers. They didn't say that. Here's another. This was, this was actually in a newspaper. Illiterate? Question mark. Are you illiterate? Write today for free help. Yeah. Yeah. They got a lot out of that, didn't they, when they read it? <laughs> That's the church. It's us. Put up our signs, put up our billboards. What we're doing is trying to attract other Christians to leave their church and come to our church. Because the world's gone. Culture's not here. They're out there. They see us. We're Martians. We've lost the language. We smile. They can see us, maybe. <clears throat> oh, here's a good one. Come to church. Why? I mean, why, why are we asking them to come to church? I mean, what, what are we hoping for? I don't know what you're going to say. What are you hoping they'll get saved? I am. But you walk up to some person that doesn't even have a, a, a palette of anything about God in their life, and you say, come to church, and they go, thank you. Come down to the bar with me. That's, his, that's what he's thinking. I mean, okay, that was nice. Good to see you too. What are we hoping? We're saying to them, I don't know how to engage you, so all I got is come to church. Do you like it? I don't know what you're saying. We have got to get here, church. I I don't like it either. I like it the way it used to be. Give me that old-time religion. I like that. My son's 44. He said to me a while back, he said, Dad, you know, when you think about church and coming under conviction and getting saved and getting baptized, he said, those warm feelings, he said, my generation doesn't feel that. They don't feel it. They don't get it. I said to a young pastor, had, this will scare you, had 700 members, and I said, where's the Holy Spirit in what you're doing? He said, my generation doesn't even know what you're talking about. 
we've never experienced what you've experienced. So we're going to do the method the best we know how. So I know revival will take care of a lot of what we're talking about today. I know that. But that can be a cop-out, church. We've got to do it. We've got to, Jesus said go. The last thing he said was, oh, by the way, go. We have to engage. Okay, number three, moving on. Become flexible to change. I hate change. Everybody hates change. We just want it like it is. Leave it alone. And I can take you around, I could put you in a bus and take you around the country, all over America, and show you little churches that have made a decision, we ain't changing. And if they want the gospel, they can come here. No, they're not coming. One every now and then. We've got to be willing to change. People that are willing to change. How many are willing to change? Are you willing to change? I mean, if you, when I'm 90, I live that long, 90, I want to be willing to change. I told Tracy the other day, I'm, I'm 68 years old in a couple months. I'll be 68. I've been, I've been walking with God for close to 50 years, and every day God's still dealing with me. He won't leave me alone, thank God. He still did. Come on up here. We can, we can do better than that. We can draw nearer than that. We can get closer than that. Draw near me. Why, why stop here? Why stop here? What, what's so good about this? Because today is going to become tomorrow. I mean, it's going to become yesterday. Today is going to become yesterday. Tomorrow. God, don't give me that old-time religion. Give me that new relationship with Jesus. Flexible to change. Is that what our last point is? You know, we live in a, in a consumer society, and I hate it. It's been going on for about, I don't know, 15 years, maybe 15, 20 years. When I was still a pastor, one day my secretary said, a lady called today and she's shopping for churches and she wants to know what your church can offer her. She is. And it made me so mad. I said, what makes her think we want her? That's not Jesus. Well, I'm not going to put in a bowling alley for somebody, you know what I'm saying. But that's where they are. It's a consumer world. They're out there, what can you do for me? And it's not going to change. So we can either get over it and figure out how to engage them or just kumbaya till Jesus comes. I don't like it. People are totally focused on themselves. We even have things we call Facebook. We ought to have a Facebook order call. I have a Facebook account, and I hate it. I know people come to Jesus on Facebook. I know that. But I don't want to see a picture of what you had for breakfast. I don't want to see your little dog. He's not cute to me. But people are self-obsessed. It's all about me. Well, we're there.
that ship has sailed. They're not going to come back until we engage them and tell them about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Which means we've got to leave the dock and sail out there among them and engage them. And that scares the church. Because the church has learned how to do this, but the church hasn't learned how to do that. find real needs in those people's lives. They got them. They got a lot because they don't know. Number five. You say, how many has he got? We'll get there. Number five, deal with any hatred of the world. And that's, that's at the center of everything I'm talking about really today. Deal with any hatred of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure the, the church loves the world. Not you, those other churches. I'm not sure those other churches love the world. I'm not sure I love the world. I'm working on it. I'm not talking about loving their sin. I, I'm not talking, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not. But I'm talking about the God love, the Jesus love. Boy. Jesus will get you in a lot of trouble if you travel around with him. <laughs> He'd go home with prostitutes. You know, tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors were the scum of the earth. And Jesus said, hey, I tell you what, I'm going to go home with you tonight. That's engaging. And that's really the, the, the power behind what got him killed. Now, we know he laid down his life. He had to do that. But that was the thing they used. He couldn't be really God-man. He would know that these are sinners and heathens. He's, but they didn't get it. That's what he came for. And I'm sure it was hard. Because one time they said, well, let's just follow him on. He's going to get us all killed. Remember that? We'll just follow him. He'll get us all killed. Sure he will, because loving the world will get you killed. You know, when the word said, we love Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you'll become witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other parts of the earth. That word witness is martyr. That's the word in the Greek, martyr. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you to lay down your life. Hatred of the world. I love this verse. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was out there doing my most vile, lying, thieving, unfaithful, manipulative ways and things. By the way, that's really who I was. I'm not going to try to fool you. I, I mastered it. I'm ashamed to even think about it. It's hard for me to believe I was that, but I was. 
But in the worst of that, that I don't even want to look at, God looked at it and loved me. And what really hurts is that Jesus knew it and saw it when he died for me. While we were yet sinners, he died for me. On that cross, somehow beyond my understanding, he was loving me in that condition. Mm. We need some Jesus churches that will love people in that condition. And it's going to take the church getting sanctified. I've never said that before. Sanctified isn't just quit drinking, chewing, smoking. Sanctifying is getting rid of these kind of sinful things, this judgment. Because it's keeping us from reaching the world. We're almost through. Number six. Four. Meet the needs of people in consumer age. Is that, was that up there? Did I miss one? Yeah, meet the needs of people in consumer age while bringing them to place of service. That's what I was talking about. I didn't bring that up. That's what I was talking about, how people are self-serving. Self-serving. Thank you for bringing that up. That was four. Then deal with hatred of the world, five. Six, encourage creativity in the group. That means that in our group, there is a group effort, right? We're still here. We're still meeting here. What I'm trying to do is get you from thinking that the church is going to do it for you. We are the church. We've got to go out there and do it, bring them in. And then the corporate thing is we, we minister to them. And one of the things we've got to do is encourage creativity in the group. Fresh songs. Fresh. I remember, I've been in services where, where songs were born in the service. Just born in the service. We pick it up and start singing it. It's the Holy Spirit. Life's in that. There's life in that. Creative ideas. Fresh sermons. Creative ideas. Again, get away from the group productivity. I, w- I, I, I wish, I, can't, I couldn't count the times as a pastor when people would say, I wish the church would, I wish the church would, I said, me too, when are you going to start? I've been praying for that. I'll put you in charge of something. Yeah. No. Two. Hundreds of people came to that church, yes. to that production every year. And we would get anywhere from 50 to 100 people saved. Right. And so I asked the pastor, I said, well, how many people are we getting saved during the regular year? We might get one or two people saved all year, but right. that production got 100 people saved. I said, we just need to do the production. Forget the rest of it. Let's do the production. That's what's producing. And that's a creative. And is that idea. what you're talking about? I am. I'm talking do about those it. kinds of things. And as long as the production doesn't become an excuse for the individual. Because in that, in that production, you might have 50 people, you might have 1,000 people in your church. But we all have to continue to do it. But that's, that's a tool. But then those 50, 100 people, are they still in the church? Now, now we take those one-on-one discipleship and, and uh, 
and that kind of thing. I was, I was, anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yes, that's a creative idea. Those kind of things, we need to get involved and, and get those things working. Thank you for, for sharing that. The, the last thing I want to say to you is let the Lord direct you through the valley of change. Let the Lord direct you through the valley of change. I mean, I forgot up there. Let the Lord direct you through the valley of change. That's number seven, right? Let the Lord direct you through the valley of change. A few years ago, ten years ago, I, I heard a lot. I heard a lot. Churches talking about be relevant, be relevant, be relevant, be relevant, be relevant. I'm not sure we know how to be relevant. I think we need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, make me relevant. Because being relevant to you today might not be relevant to you today. And so that, that Holy Spirit working in me helped me to be relevant. Because if you follow Jesus, the way he did things, the way Paul did things, was different in different places, with different situations, and different people, different cultures. So I think we need to, to say, Lord, cause me. Let it be a prayer. Lord, direct me through the valley of change. Stop trying to be relevant. Lord, make me relevant. Make me current to the world. And, and, and the big thing, I hope you, I, I, I wasn't planning on saying this about the ships already sailed, about going out, but basically, we've got to be willing to get out of here. Now, we still need to meet here. This is the church. We gather together. Forsake not the assembling yourselves together. But we've got to bring them in here. Well, I wish the church would grow. I wish the church would grow. I wish all these seats would fill up. We're not, in, we're not involved in magic. <laughs> well, let's just pray. Just believe God that before we leave here in five minutes, let's just believe God that the house is going to fill up with people. Poof. That's not biblical. What's biblical is to prepare our people, prepare you to go out in your area of responsibility. If you don't know but three people, there's three possibilities. <laughs> three possibilities. And don't go out there and be obnoxious. Don't go out there and be religious. Build relationships. Spend time with them. Just, just know that you're a safe place, that they can say anything to you. Sometimes, I'm, I've been building a lot of new relationships this year. I'm getting ready to quit. And what I do sometimes, if, if I want to build a friendship, I'll test the waters. Can I trust this man? So I'll just throw some things out there to see if it comes back somewhere else. If it came back to me through somebody else, I don't tell him again. Right. That's not a safe place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's important that we be able to let the Lord change us. Amen. Stand up with me. Praise God. You've been very, very kind. Thank you for listening. See, God is the creator of all mankind, isn't he? God is really in contact with all cultures. He's the manufacturer. And he is the author of cross-cultural ministry. How do we cross that culture? How do we get into that group? But see, what we're going to do when we win them to Jesus now they're going to be changed into the new culture, the culture of the kingdom of God. See, I can see that guy, that friend of mine, that's still got a terrible mouth, but I've watched him changing. I've watched his heart changing. I've watched his, 
his spirit man changing. And I can see him with his hands up in the air worshiping God in the new culture. I can see that. But I've got to be willing to go out there in his culture and spend time with him. And then once he makes that, the door opens and Jesus is presented and he embraces Jesus, now he'll begin to come into this culture. And guess what? His, there's a, every culture has a language. Every culture has a, a dress. You know, all the fishing cultures, they all dress like, wear those shirts, you know, with the air vents in the back. That's the fishing culture. Golf culture. They're all the same. They're all the same. Same shirts. And they talk differently. You know, cowboys, they got their, their culture. You can go into Tiffin and see guys with their cowboy hats on. Well, they're, they're cowboy culture. They don't live in Texas, but they're cowboy culture. That's who they are. They dress alike. They talk alike. Well, we're a culture. I ch my language changed. You better believe my language changed when I got saved and came into this culture. I learned how to, what, what are they doing? Oh, okay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, thank you. I'm thankful. Thank you, Jesus. I learned a new culture. But I didn't learn it outwardly. I learned it inwardly. Jesus came into me and changed me, and then I wanted to embrace that new culture. He changed me. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to embrace the culture, to engage the culture. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit will work in every one of us that we cannot escape this message. Don't let me escape. Don't let us escape this message. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes. Don't let us see like we used to see. Don't let us see through religious eyes. Let us see through Jesus' eyes, compassion eyes, loving eyes, non-judgmental eyes. Help us to expand our horizons of what can be. Help me to stretch my grasp, broaden my thought. Empower my actions of service to people, Lord. We thank you for it. We bless you for it, Lord. Heads bowed right now, eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, I'm praying that prayer that God will use me in that way, in a new way, in a broader way, just raise your hand. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm identifying with this. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're not a believer. You've never really committed your life to Jesus. I encourage you to find a pastor or one of these elders or one of these leaders today and say, today I want to put my faith in Jesus. They'll help you. They'll help you walk through this. You've, you've, people that are lost have, through a long process of time have walked dark, dark, dark in the woods. It's deep and dark in there. And we have to walk them out by grace. Walk them out to a new place in the Lord. We thank you. I pray for your blessing on this church, Lord this pastor, this, this group of leaders, Lord, in the name of Jesus, may we begin to see people come out of their culture into this culture for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was in sales for years before I stepped into this calling that God had placed in my heart and placed in me for all those years. And you can do a lot of things for advertising. You can, there's people that go through uh, lots and lots and lots of money and they've got their philosophy on what is the best form of advertising and how do you get people to come in. 
but it never fails. Any successful salesman, any successful company that you talk to, they'll tell you the best form of advertising is word of mouth. And it took me a little while. It took me a few a few years. But after I did that, people started coming and saying, well, I talked to so-and-so, and they said you were the person to come talk to about this. And I'd say, okay. And I may not even remember so-and-so. I'd have to look them up. But that was the best form of advertising. And in this culture that, that we've created, we've created this culture where we think people are just going to be attracted to the product that we have without ever engaging the, the people around us. And we were talking last night, and I said, you know, my heart is for all of us to reach out and observe the people that are in our sphere of influence and make a difference in their life. That's the best form of advertising. That's the best impact that we could have on their life. The best impact, the lasting fruit, the fruit that remains is the fruit like what he's talking about. It's taken two years to reach this guy in his neighborhood. That's a long time. That's a lot to put up with. And we live in a society that is, we're, the society that we live in is selfish. It's, it's self-centered. So we have to go the other end of the extreme and become a society and a culture that is selfless. And that requires all of us, me included, to die to what we want and to what we think and to what we feel. I don't want to say that no more. I don't want to do what I want to do anymore. I want to do what the Lord tells me to do. I want to be a willing vessel. I want to be the one, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Is that your prayer this morning? Yes, sir. Let me take the mic here, sure. Um, I think, I believe this is an important word, not because I bought it. I believe, I believe it's an important message for the church, for the Lord Jesus. I think, it, I think it's important enough that it needs to be revisited. And we need to talk about what does it mean to us and how do we get there. I don't want it to be just, well, we got another message today. What the preacher preached, I don't remember. But, but I, I think it's something we ought to be revisit. Maybe, maybe, if, maybe it's coming back together and, and talking about it. Maybe it's talking about it in small groups. Maybe it's getting together to have a lunch with somebody and just saying, let's keep that alive. Let's keep that processing in us, in our hearts, so we don't run from it. See, truth, <coughs> we hold this treasure in earthen, earthen vessels, which means we leak. We leak. We can leak truth. We can leak you go, how many times have you got it and said, man, I'm going to do that, and by the time you got to the parking lot, it, it can be gone. I, I would encourage you re rehearsing this. You talk, raise your hand. Yeah. Um, what, what I feel like what's, what's on my heart about this, when I went to Africa and went to the mission field, the hardest thing, about, that was the hardest thing I've ever done because I was uncomfortable. It was the sacrifice of my soul, and that's harder than a physical sacrifice many times. What I hear, the word today is, we've got a mission field. Not in Africa, but it's right outside those doors. And what I feel like, you know, we, we've used so much of our faith as believers to make a comfortable lifestyle for ourselves. And now what I feel like the Lord is saying, are we willing to release our faith to become uncomfortable in our souls, to go out there and, and get outside ourselves and engage, to release our faith that way, to make that the focus of our faith? As a, as, a, as, a, as a body. Amen.
let me issue a challenge to you. You know, I was talking uh, to Brother Earl the other day, and he was talking about with his new with his new job and him driving so much. He has started listening to certain teachings and certain teaching tapes. I would challenge you to go online, pull this up because it'll be loaded up this week. Pull it up and revisit it. Pull it up and write it down and put it in, put it where you can see it. Put it in your car. What am I doing to engage the people around me? See, we don't even like that. We don't like that because we don't want to do that. We we want to be comfortable. We want everything to feel. But what are we doing to engage the sphere, the culture, the people around us? Because that's where we're going. That's where I'm going. That's where we're going. Come hell or high water, that's where we're going, right? I'm sorry, I have to share this. Uh, what intolerance brings uh, to man. I'm going to tell you a story that will chill your bones. Late 70s in Ethiopia, the military took over. They threw Haile Selassie, the emperor. And um, only what they say has to happen. We were in Addis, we just young family. Every Sunday, they will close off every door, every uh, road and get you into a hole like this. That was a time where the youth, teenagers rebelled against that. They would not take that. And so they went after the youth. So from our neighbor, there was a young kid and uh, they call him anti-revolutionaries. And so he was caught, he was imprisoned, he was tortured, but he escaped. They went after him, they caught him, and then they brought him. There's a hole like this, about 400 of us there. And they said, they went to tirade about he did anti-revolutionary, etc., etc. Hands tied. Young, beautiful looking kid. And they say, What do you say? You have to have your judgment. Anybody who says guilty, raise your hands. There was not a hand that was not raised. Why? Because there were kids all around with scratching cloth, machine guns, hands on the trigger. Literally, their eyes just burning, just like the scriptures say sometimes. And then they said, okay, so that's judgment. Sit down. That judgment will be executed in a moment. Keep quiet. We all sat down. We kept quiet. Five minutes or so later, we had gun. And then they said, 
judgment has been executed, go and celebrate. When we went out, this young kid was lying flat on the road. His blood was pouring down the, the pavement. That neighborhood has prostitutes. They were forced to come and sing and mm. eighteen year old kid. I was guilty. Jesus never let me. I raised my hand at that time. Be quiet because I was afraid. I sent that kid to his death. That's what intolerance brings. America, be careful of intolerance. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to help us stand up and be the light in this world and in our neighborhoods and in our jobs that you've called us to be. Help us to be the martyrs, the witnesses. Help us to be the one light, the one voice that stands up and shares the love of God. But I thank you, Lord, that the power of God, the defender, the one who defends us, the one who gives us the power, the one who helps us to overcome, the one that you said, that you sent us, that said, if he be for us, what difference does it make who is against us? Help us to walk in the light and the knowledge of that power and that revelation. Help us to stand up and to be who you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, go and be an agent of change. Go and engage the culture around you. Let's just give a, a, a round of applause. Let's just honor Pastor L.A. for coming and sharing this word. If you'd like to be a blessing to him, to sow into his ministry, his latter year ministry that's got such an impact, just write out a check, fill out an envelope, just put it on their guest speaker, Pastor L.A., and just put it in the box and we'll be a blessing to him. Just stretch your hands forth towards him. Let's just pray over him real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the man of God that you sent to bring us this word. Lord, we honor him. We bless him. We thank you for giving him greater strength, encouragement as he drives home this afternoon. That, Lord, that you, in, that you uh, empower him. That you honor him because he's honored you. Do we ask you that you honor him and bless him and Miss Teresa. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. And everybody said?